More than 400 people got in this room last Sunday night and decided they were going to have a party. You know what the difference in putting a bunch of brown and black people in this room versus a bunch of you white folks? I don't have to beg them to worship. They showed up and just do it. You fill this room with a bunch of white people, and it's like, I'm begging you in Jesus' name to worship. And you're like, I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So now, now I grew up doing it. I ain't going to do it. Okay. But aren't you good and glad and gracious that I don't care how you choose to worship, he's worthy? I mean, if you're a worshiper, your hands in your pockets, aren't you glad that he's worthy? I mean, if you're up here just dancing and going like crazy like I am, aren't you, aren't you grateful that he's worthy? I mean, come on, it doesn't get any better than that. It does not get any better than that. If you're new around here, my name's Chuck, and they let me be the pastor here. I've been here about 11 years, and I love this place. I absolutely love our community. I love our church. I love our schools. I love our mayor. I love our city. I just, I just love this place. And you say, well, well Chuck, I mean, I, is, that, is, that, is that like true, or are you just making stuff up because that's what you're supposed to say? I love this place. I mean, I'm telling you. I, and I hope you choose to make it home because you just make us better. So thank you for being here and worshiping with us. On the top right-hand corner of the chair in front of you and on the screen, you can take your device and open the camera and point there. And it'll just pop up a little yellow bar, touch that yellow bar, and it gives you just a little guest info section. Inside of that, you can just fill it out. It'll take a few seconds. And I'll promise you, nobody's gonna come bang on your door and mess up your, your day. We'll send you two emails this week, one at the first part, one toward the end of the, of, of the week. And we have a gift that we'd like to send to you via snail mail for you just to enjoy. And I promise you, it's not a typical church cheap plastic pen. We're going to send you something really good. So uh, thank you for being our guest. It means the world to us. If you do the same thing and point it at that little QR code on the back of your seat, or you use a different QR code on the screen, which is a, a way for you to continue to give, then I invite you to give to the ministries and the life and the work and ministry of Sugar Hill Church. Um, I, I unashamedly ask you to do that. I, I asked our staff to pull a few things together I thought you would find interesting. Our church is debt-free this year for the first time in more than 50 years. By the way, you've added 140 new members this year. You've baptized more than 65 people. 1,800 people and some change have chosen to visit this church for the first time this year. Does that blow your mind or what? In the middle of all that, a bunch of those folks have stuck. More than 600 adults are involved in weekly small groups and discipleship every week in the life of this church. We launched Sugar Hill Marriages with more than 100 people participating in quarterly meetups to work on their marriage. Our student ministry continues to have a presence on our local schools with things like Fellowship of Christian Athletes, All Pro Dad, School Banquets, and hundreds of other options. And when you're ever somewhere where somebody says, well, you know, the problem with America is you can't pray on a public school campus anymore, just look at them and say, we do every day, every stinking day. You know what? I'll promise you the law can't limit you praying. When you drive by a school, it doesn't limit you from praying. You know what blesses me is when a principal calls and says, hey, before school starts, would you walk through the hallway with me and pray for my kids and my classrooms? And you know what I think about that? Come on, church, let's do it, right? I mean, why not, through the power of prayer, just literally, spiritually kick Satan in the mouth and bloody him every day? Why not, right? Because I'm telling you, man, I like that stuff. I mean, I just get after it. I like that stuff. Did you know more than 200 students participated in a winter retreat this year? 
160 high school students at camp, 150 middle school students at camp. You gave this year over $150,000 to global mission projects outside of the budget. Let that sink in. That's a lot of money that you decided to go help other people that most of you will never meet. More than $50,000 you gave to serve benevolent causes in our community this year. Our kids ministry hosted 500 kids in VBS with 150 volunteers, 70 kids in summer serve week. Our shine ministry that serves special needs families served 35 people through respite nights this week or 35 families with help for more than 23 volunteers. And if we had a space big enough, we could quadruple that next week because the need is so great. On average, we host downstairs 300 children in preschool and children every Sunday morning. Does that blow your mind? I mean, that's just, that's a lot of trust that folks are putting into Sugar Hill Church. I find this fascinating that in Sugar Hill Espanol, they have trained and equipped 45 new leaders. They've added more than 150 people per week in their regular Sunday attendance with more than 50 members baptized more than 25 people this year. And God is doing something special in that part of this church because it might be two languages, but bless God, it's one church. I love that. You know what? I watched Elijah start workshop being able to provide an opportunity for people to get tools that can't afford them in our community. And I've seen clear path counseling with more than 60 trained professional therapists in and around Metro Atlanta serve over the last two years more than 400 clients in mental and emotional health care needs. And I look at all that and I would just ask you to think this one thing. Praise God. I mean, just praise God. I could go on and on, but my point is this. God has entrusted us with so much. In an age and a day where 400 evangelical churches in America close their doors for the last time every single week in America, somehow, some way, the Lord has put his hand on you and this church and entrusted to us the kind of kingdom work where we've only just begun. And I would say to you, listen to me, friend. You ought to just go ahead and say, matter of fact, I want you to say it on three. I just want you to say, thank you, Chuck. You ready? One, two, three. You don't even know why. Here's the why. This is the Sunday where I normally preach the money sermon. Where normally I tell you all the reasons you ought to get and just beat the dog out of you to try to hope that you give more and give you all kind of stats and facts and try to make you cry so that you'll feel wonderful about it and then you'll commit to give. And the other day, me and the Lord had a moment and literally he just reached down and beat the dog out of me. You ever had one of those moments where the Lord is just like, Chuck, if I don't just beat the dog out of you, you're not going to hear me? I mean, because I'm, I'm stubborn like that. And I don't know about you, but I mean, honestly, I... Um, I need the Lord to do that in my life sometimes. I, I'm, I, I am so selfish and stubborn in my life sometimes. The Lord just has to get my attention. I know that's not true, y'all. For 10 years, the end of November and December are miserable for me. I mean, I literally, by the time Christmas Day gets there, I'm so tired, I couldn't care less. And you know, the Lord the other day was like, Chuck, I can help you with this if you'll let me. 
I'm like, Lord, I'm not really sure I want to hear all that, but okay. It, clearly, we're going to have this chat, so let's have it. And he said, you know, Chuck, if, you, uh, if you'd lay all that down, I'll take care of it. And Chuck, if you think all that's on you, you're a bigger fool than you think you are. Because the only thing that happens around here is because of his goodness. Yeah, a third of our budget comes in between now and then. And, you know, I'm, I'm relatively sure I might sleep better the rest of the next few weeks. But me and the Lord are probably going to have to wrestle with this every single day. But I've decided that the Lord told me with great clarity, Chuck, you don't need to go have a money sermon. You just need to go talk about me today. So we're just going to talk about Jesus today. Is that good? And we're going to take up a little... Uh, we're going to take up a little time to have communion today. And so I thought, what better opportunity to talk about Jesus and communion? So thanks for going here with me. By the way, on your way out today, there's a little Advent devotional that's totally free. Pick it up at the table out in the lobby. Advent starts next week. It's a daily opportunity for you to work your way through the scriptures. Take you about six, seven minutes every day. I promise you, if you want, if you want God to show up in your life in Christmas, chase after him. He's always there. Also, grab a copy of this if you haven't already gotten it. It tells you a little bit of everything going on at Sugar Hill Church around Christmas time. And then when you go out the back doors, turn to your right and see Ann at the table. Uh, we had some folks that picked up cards for Christmas for kids in Uvalde, uh, but they never returned them. And um, I get it. There's all kinds of reasons for that. But uh, when you take a card around here for a kid, whether it's local or whether it's here, or you make a commitment for Yucatan, uh, you're literally saying, I'm going to make sure that kid gets Christmas, right? So let me just lovingly say, if you're not going to do it, don't take the card. If you're like, I'm emotional and I just want to take it, but I can't, don't, don't do that, right? Don't do that. Just, if you're going to take it, make it happen, right? So we got about eight cards from kids in Uvalde that came back. I really need you to get them today because we're leaving and shipping that stuff out later this week before Thanksgiving. Can you help us make that happen? Our schools, our local schools, vet hundreds of children in Title I schools that most of these kids, I'm telling you, if, if our church doesn't show up, most of those kids aren't going to get Christmas. And you say, Chuck, that can't be true. I mean, look at the affluence in Sugar Hill. Well, I can take you to places where there's no affluence in Sugar Hill. And um, these are vetted by way of schools. These are not gimmies, y'all. These are kids in need. They are almost twice as many as we had last year. That just kind of lets you know what's going on in the economy already. So would you grab those cards? Listen, I know you've already given so much. I get I ask the world of y'all, and I'm sorry, but just doggone it. Let's do this, you know, and I'd just be so grateful. Matthew chapter 26. Hey, Amy, you sounded so good today. I just love it when you sing. I mean, it just blesses my heart. I mean, when you get all fired up, I love it. I mean, I get blubbery over there, and Jenny hits me, and she says, you got to get it together and preach. But I do it when you sing, so thank you. That's pretty cool. I want to pray real quick. Let's pray. God of all creation, sustainer of all life, step into this room and into our hearts today and let us hear from you. God, let us be reminded that what we remember in communion is all that you've done, all that you're doing, all that you're yet to do because your promises are always fulfilled and you are worthy of every worship we can offer. So let our remembrance be an offering to you today. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 says, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. Now, can you imagine for the first time you heard that? 
Like imagine if you're here today and you've never been a part of communion and the pastor comes along and says, this is, this is Jesus's body broken for you. And you look at it and think, no, it's a wafer. Imagine how they felt. They never heard that. And Jesus is saying, it's a picture, fella. It's a metaphor. Picture my body broken and blessed for you. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood. Once again, metaphor, picture. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And is poured out as a sacrifice to give for the sins, forgive the sins of many. Now you could say, okay, well, Chuck, who are those sins that we're talking about? Okay, watch this. If you're a human and you draw breath and you can contemplate that it is your sin that placed Jesus on the cross and you can believe with your heart and you can say with your life, I know Jesus died for me, was buried for me, rose from the dead for me, that I could have life and is sitting beside God the Father praying for me, then he's talking about you. Now watch this. Some of you grew up in a faith that said, well, Chuck, I thought that number was already settled. I don't, am I in or am I not? Now watch this. The many literally means you. The many literally means you. It's not like there's, there's a handful of folks out there and they've been good enough, they get in, but you've totally messed your life up so I have no chance. That is not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is, I don't care what you've messed up. I don't care what you have made a mess in your life. The message of Jesus said, the many especially counts for you. Especially. I've made so many stupid decisions in my life, but I am so grateful that Jesus put his hand behind my neck, drew me up close to his face and said, Chuck, let's just don't do that one again, but you're still my kid. Let's go. I love that. Don't you? I mean, come on. How good is that? That we serve a God that forgives us and loves us. And then he goes on and he says, mark my words. I'll not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now you say, well, Chuck, when when is that going to be? We're about to celebrate a season when Jesus came the first time. When he came, a poor little infant in a little poor hamlet who grew up in a poor family, who lived sinlessly, who preached and teached and healed and changed the world, who took on our sin and was nailed to a cross after he was beaten beyond measure. And he did all that for us, then placed in a borrowed tomb and rose from the dead. And now is praying for you right now that you could know him. This is the Jesus we talk about today, right now. So the reason we come together and remember is the sacrifice made by Jesus. Now watch this. When this, when he comes again, there'll be no need for a trough. There will be no need for a little hamlet. There'll be no need for a poor family because when he busts that sky wide open and rides in on that colt, listen to me, friends, he's not coming as a beggar. He's coming as a king that's going to rule the world forever and ever and ever. Amen, amen, and amen. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and every knee will bow because we will claim Jesus as Lord. Are you with me? So I look at that and say, that's why we remember the sacrifice made by Jesus. Luke twenty-two nineteen. 19, he took some bread 
He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples and said, this is my body, which is given. Are you ready? For you. Now do this and remember it to me. You probably grew up in some different format in how you did communion or whatever you called it. Lord's Supper, Eucharist, whatever you grew up in. Like some of you grew up in a place where some dude dipped a wafer in, you know, a chalice and put it in your mouth. I mean, that sounds gross to me, but whatever, you know. Some of y'all grew up where you passed silver, silver or brass trays and you did a little thing and then, you know, you had the guys line up in the back and the pastor gave the holy nod and then they came forward and you did the whole thing. You know, I get it. You know, I did all that. But Jesus never told us how to do it. He just told us to do it. Because what Jesus said was, what matters here is I want you to know that my body and my blood is given to you so that you might have me forever. And I want you to remember me. The prophet Isaiah took it to another level. He said in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so we could be whole, whipped so we could be healed. You see, sometimes I think at communion, we think, I need to remember Jesus on the cross. No, 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 you've got to go back before that. You, you've got to remember that when he was assigned guilt that wasn't his, that he took for you. He, he took on being harassed and spat upon and cursed and beaten. Every time that cat of nine tails whipped across his back, it was for you. Every inch that that crown of thorns was pressed down on him, it was for you. When those nails went into his hands and his feet, it was for you. When that spear pierced his side, it was for you. And Jesus said, I want you to remember all this happened just like the prophet Isaiah said in the Old Testament. He has come that you could be healed. So communion, Christ's body, Christ's blood is a demonstration of his love for us. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, 25, for husbands, this means love your wives. And you're stopping to say, wait a minute, Chuck, what does husbandry have to do with communion? Let me finish the phrase. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Listen, I... I, guys, I want to take all the guilt off. I have moments in my life where I am America's worst husband. All right? I, I can mess up the whole thing about serve and love your wife with grace. I can, I mean, Jen, is it not true? I can totally blow that. She's not going to answer that one, but I, but I know I can. And right now, some, there's some wives doing this to, to their husbands. Do you hear this? So, husband, I want you to do this. Take that elbow and poke them and say it works both ways. Because that's what marriage is supposed to be like. That's how the church is supposed to respond. We don't always do it, but that's how we're supposed to respond, especially today. You say, well, what, what kind of demonstration of love was it? Well, it was, watch this, it was a freedom from the law. You say, wait a minute, I thought Jesus came to fulfill the law. Well, stick with me. Listen to what Romans 7, 4 says. So, dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. And as a result, we can produce the harvest of good deeds for God. 
The law here, friend, is the law of Moses in the Old Testament, 613 commandments, which can be subdivided into three sections. Most of us don't know that. We just think, how do I keep up with 16, I mean, 613 laws? I mean, I got to be honest with you, I struggle with keeping up with the one Jesus said matters. Love God, love others like you're supposed to love you. I can't even do that one right. I can't even imagine trying to keep 613. I'd be busted in the principal's office all day, every day. I mean, you know, you, I, I remember going to school when you used to get spanked. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? I got to tell you, I got beat like a yard dog in high school. I mean, seriously, I, I had a coach one day that for five straight days gave me four licks. I sat down and he said, Alan, what color, she, what color socks do you have on today? Blue, coach, in the hall. Bam. Next day, Alan, what color socks you got on today? White, hallway. I thought, you killed By the third or fourth day, I, I realized I just wear four pair of underwear. Right? So finally I said, Coach, what's this all about? He said, Listen, Chuck, I know for a fact you're not living like you're supposed to, and I'm going to get your attention one way or another. And I thought, This is what God does to me every now and then. He just takes me outside in the hallway and blisters me a little bit. You know what's interesting? That coach loved me enough to try to help me get my life right, and this is why God does it in our life, because He wants to get our attention. The law here, Sometimes they're ritual laws. That's one of the three laws pertaining to sacrifices and Sabbaths and festivals and diet and clothing. When Jenny and I were in Israel a few weeks ago, they would, they, they would have Shabbat. And literally it was like, okay, the elevator stops. And when you're on the sixth floor, that's not a blessing. You know, I, I'm glad that, we, that the Lord freed us from that. Sometimes there's judicial laws pertaining to the governing of the nation, like how crime is to be punished and property laws, et cetera. But listen, you know, when you look at America and think, what's wrong with America today? Why do we have such a problem? Are you ready? Here's the problem. The local church stopped engaging with this one thing, the proliferation of evil because we wanted to please everybody and make them feel comfortable to come to church instead of calling it what it is. It is the willingness of people to let Satan have his way in their life instead of choosing that I want God to rule this nation, period, done, end of story. You say, well, Chuck, how do you fix it? Well, that's on you because you're the body. You're the church. Start in your own home, start in your own life, start with your own kids, start with your own junk because we all got junk, right? You go work on your own junk, watch what happens. But now there's a third section that he didn't let us off the hook on, and those are known as eternal laws. These are the unchanging moral standards of God. Like you don't lie, you don't steal, you don't commit adultery, you don't love your neighbor as, you know, you, you, you love your neighbor as yourself, you, you, you treat others like they're supposed to be treated. Are you with me? They're, those you're not off the hook on. But now watch this. He didn't say you have to do them on your own. He said, when you trust me, I'm going to give you the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God will do those in you if you let him. Because, see, the problem is most of us are so consumed with our own world, we leave no spiritual margin on our life to know what God wants because we don't stop and talk with God and we never stop to listen to God. And when that happens and there's no spiritual margin on our life, there's no room to hear from God about what the Spirit of God wants to direct you to do today. I would bet that everyone in here would say, I need more margin in my life. And it starts with spiritual margin. And by the way, I'm not talking give your first hour to God. I'm talking about four minutes. Just four minutes. Just start with four minutes. Say, Chuck, I don't even know how to do that. Just start with a weekday podcast. It's pretty simple. Scripture, here's the thought, pray. Chuck, well, I can do that. Do it. Just jump out there and do it. The body of Christ on the cross sets us free from all these two things, ritual and judicial laws, but not eternal laws. Romans 8, 4 says he did this so that the just requirement of the law 
would be fully satisfied for who? For us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but watch this, follow the Spirit of God. It is in the Spirit of God, it is His power, you have the capacity to live for Christ. It is not on how good you are. Because if it's based on how good you are, you've already lost. If it's based on how good I am or my actions, I've already lost. It's about my heart. It's about your heart. This isn't about pointing out everybody else's junk. It's about recognizing your junk. Because when we get there, we're released from the law. And then he says, but this one matters most. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love others as you love yourself. We remember because Jesus' blood was shed for us. Why? For forgiveness. Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. The, the whole thing is about what he's done for you. But now watch this. Because he left us as children of God, the spirit of God, it's not all on you. It is because of him living in, through, for, around, and on your behalf. When you let the spirit of God go free in your life. Some of us think the spirit of God is just how we raise hands or clap in songs. Guys, that's... The Spirit of God shows up on Monday morning at 9 to say, hey, you haven't spent time with me yet. Let's stop. The Spirit of God says, hey, this cashier is whacked out today. They need a believer to encourage them. The Spirit of God says, remember what you heard in church the other day. Stop. The Spirit of God says, it's time for you to worship in the car and turn off sports talk radio. The Spirit of God says, let me remind you, I'm in control, not you. But listen, not just forgiveness, for faithfulness. Philippians 1, 6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Listen to me. I'm not much today when he comes back. Watch out. This church in the grand scheme of things isn't much, but when he returns, y'all better watch out. Because when the dead decide that he's going to bring them back alive, and when he takes us all home, I'm telling you, it's going to get crazy around here. And I don't want you, but I don't want to miss it. I, I, people say to me all the time, Chuck, I, I just wish you'd teach more in the book of the Revelation, talk about the end times. All right, I'm going to give you your annual dose of this. You ready? He's coming back. If you know him, you're good. If you don't know him, you're going to want to. Well, Chuck, what's going to happen? He's going to take those who have trusted him home. Well, how are things going to be here? I don't know. I'm on his side and he wins. What I know is this. I like to win, don't you? I like to know that the sermon that I spoke yesterday at a funeral is the promise of God that says what that little girl would say at 23 years of age that is now walking on streets of gold is this. What God said is true. When I took my last breath here, I was instantaneously in the presence of God and I wouldn't leave if I could. You know why? She saw the promise of God up close. I don't know about you, I wanna live like it now. I want to live like it right now. I want his power right now. 
We remember Christ's body and communion because Paul said, and though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread showing that we are one body. You know what that means? This body of Christ is one body. And if you're a believer, you're part of the body. And you know who's head of the body? Jesus. Not the pastor, not the pope, not the priest, Jesus. You say, well, Chuck, I'm not sure about that one. Well, according to scripture, it ain't anybody but Jesus, period. That's why we think Jesus is the biggest deal on the planet. You get Jesus right, you'll get everything else right. And this reminds us that we have a function in the body. Every part of your body has a purpose and a function. I mean, everything from your sore shoulder to your fake hip, every part has a reason and a rhyme, right? Romans 12 says this, beginning in in verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is the truly way to worship him. Now watch this. You say, well, Chuck, I thought the way to truly worship him was to sing loud. No, it's to honor him with all you are. Worship isn't music. Worship is when you stop living for you and choose to live for him. When you choose to say, the only good thing I offer this world is Jesus himself. That's worship. And when we come together, we can finish the end of this in verse 4 that says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We have a function, people. If you know Jesus, you have a function in the body and we should all care for one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 says, This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Listen to me, you know what this says? This isn't whether you like them, whether they agree with you. It has nothing to do with this. This is about, is Jesus the head of the body and are you part of the body? Then follow his example, which means love one another. And there's no parentheses, no outs, no options, love one another. Now watch this. You know how you love one another? You get your worship right. You know how you get your worship right? You get Jesus in the right priority of your life. When you get Jesus in the right priority of your life, you will worship right and you will celebrate communion through this one lens. I am not worthy, but he is. I cannot, but he will. I don't deserve it, but he gave it to me anyway. And when the world is dying and busting hell wide open, you, my friend, can make a difference in this world. No, Chuck, not me. It's the power of Christ through you. I will promise you, I I love and I am proud of this church. Can I tell you with absolute certainty, Chuck Allen had zippity-doo-dah with everything good that has happened in the process and the ministry and the work of this church is because of the hand of a holy and a righteous God, period. And I don't care what else you do in the life of the church, the only good thing that happens to this church is the presence and power of God. That's it. You got to function. You ought to care for one another. And that's because relationships matter in the kingdom, y'all. Colossians 3.15, you ready? And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. I don't know about you, man, but I, my month could use some peace. I mean, if I, if, I have to, if I had to do November more than twice in a year, I'd, I'd get, let one of y'all take this gig. I mean, I got, Lee, you can have it. I mean, you, you can do better than I could. It just, it's up to you. I mean, you're a liquor salesman, for goodness gracious. I mean, come on, man. That's pretty awesome right there. 
I mean, can you imagine what communion would be like if you were the pastor? The place would get funky in a hurry. That's what happens when I get off my notes. But now watch this. He goes on and says, For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Well, Chuck, clearly God doesn't know what I got going in my life. There's not a lot to be thankful for. Well, do this for me. You ready? On three, just draw a big, big breath in. You ready? One, two, three. <gasps> okay, start with this. I'm alive. Clap your hands. Don't stop. Don't stop. You know what you're doing right now? Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm breathing. I'm living. I have the power of God in me, for me, around me, and I'm a part of a church that believes in you first and foremost. Praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord. So at communion, we remember Christ's sacrifice. We remember we're in one body. But watch this. We look forward to his coming again. Woo! Philippians 3.20 says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Christ Jesus lives. Now watch this. Are you ready for that? I love this. Yesterday, I did the funeral of a 23-year-old girl who OD'd because fentanyl-laced drugs. Now, I, I, I could be angry. I could be mad. I could be sad, but I got to tell you something. I could preach that sermon because I know that little girl earlier in her life gave her life to Jesus and followed him. And I know that every one of us are a quarter of an inch away, an inch away of the mistake she made in some shape, form, or fashion. You know how I know that? Because I'm a quarter of an inch away from stupid every moment of my life. But Jesus looked at that little girl with that addiction and that broken heart. He said, baby, we're going home. We're done with this. Let's go. And he brought her home. I can't even imagine what that little girl thought when she saw the Lord Jesus. And she put her feet on the streets of gold and he took her to her mansion. And she said, I don't deserve this. And I bet he drew her up close and said, oh, baby, you deserve all of this because I brought you to my house to live with me. Come on. That's why I look forward to Christ coming. And we eagerly are waiting for him to return as our Savior. And he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything. I love that word. Everything under his control. Whew. Before you partake in communion today, I'm going to invite you to do something because Paul made a big deal of this in the scripture. And if you've been around Sugar Hill Church very long, you know that we believe the Bible is a very big deal. We, we believe it is the inerrant, inspired word of God that he spoke through men and penned for our benefit, direction, and often correction. And here's what Paul wrote. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. You say, well, Chuck, what, what, what do you mean by judgment? I'm like, do you want the blessing of God in your life? Simple question. 
I, I don't know anybody who would say, no, I, I, I want God to beat the dog out of me this afternoon. That's, that, yeah, I love going by in the woodshed. I don't know anybody that says that, right? I want the blessing of God. Then he just said to you, here's what you do. Make sure you're right before God. And then with God, make sure you're right with one another. And when you do that, you come take the bread and the wine and you're in right relationship for this communion that allows the Spirit of God to flourish in your life so that you might partake as He designed. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to do something that's unusual here for a minute. I'm going to ask if, just let the piano die for a minute. We're going to do something that we just don't like around here, and that's quietude. We, we fill our life with so much noise. In the quietude of the moment, I'm going to invite you to simply ask the Lord to examine your heart. And like King David said, search me, O God. Find every wicked way and point it out to me. Let the Spirit of God get deep within the nooks and crannies of your soul. Ask the Spirit of God to direct you and hold you and give you wisdom. Ask the Lord to reveal to you where you may have an offense or a bitterness or an anger with a relationship. And just ask the Lord to step in and forgive you for that and remove it from you and just lay it down. Now in the quietness of the moment, just let the Lord speak into your life and tell you exactly what he wants you to do with your life. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Today as we partake, I pray you would give us direction and peace that we would know you and we would hear from you and we would choose to serve you with the gladness of a soul that counts on the Spirit of God for all things. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord, we pray all these things. And everyone said, Amen. So I'm going to invite you now just to make your way to the tables in the back or in the front. We have a little different setup today. It's a separate cup. Put the bread on top and just grab these and go back to your seat. When you get there, you just pull the top off the bread. We made it a little easier for you. If you pull the top off the juice and hold it upside down, that's not going to be pretty. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the Lord Jesus speaking into the lives of those apostles who had walked with him and seen so much. And on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? And Jesus said, as you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man and tell him the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. 
So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. And when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. On multiple fronts this past week, I've betrayed him. I didn't mean to. I didn't desire to, but I did. And my guess is you have too. This is what I love about the breaking of bread. Through that, the Lord breaks us too. And through the breaking, he blesses. And he prayed, Lord God, thank you for the the bread. It's unleavened, it's pierced. But as often as they eat this, I pray they'll remember me. And they ate. And then Jesus took the fruit of the vine. I'm pretty sure he didn't have to open up a communion cup like this. But he took the fruit of the vine and he pointed out that ruby red royal blood. And he said, this wine is a picture. And fellows, remember, there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And then he said, so as often as you do this, I want you to remember me. But remember what he said, I'm not going to partake of this again until I come back. I don't know about you, man. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And he said, remember me. And they drank. My friend, the goodness of God reminds us that he is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. My friend, he is not limited to how you partake in the Lord's Supper. He is not limited to the kind of room you're in. He is not limited by the kind of class you attend or the brand of church you go to. Our God is not limited, period. He is the thrice holy God of Israel who has come to save his people. And through the beating and the cursing and the crown of thorns and the nail piece pierced hands and feet, our God came for you. Let us rejoice. Because he said when they got done, they sang, come on, let's sing a minute and then we'll go home. So my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. He's done great things. He's done great things.
walk out of here. But hear me. Jesus wants to go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Come on. That's what he does. Let him. In a minute, we're going to walk out of here and you can make a choice right now. Do you want him to go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment or contentment? Or do you just want to walk out there and say, well, I did church today. I don't know about you. I need peace. I need joy. I need contentment. And the only place I'm going to find it is in Jesus the Lord. Let him go with you. Woo! Now watch out. Because this week, Satan's coming after you. You can't sit in a room like this and worship the Lord like that and not tick Satan off. Let me tell you something. You get a little karate chop going spiritually. Beat the dog out of him. Because when he wants to beat you up, let that Jesus come behind you and pick you up when it's hard and carry you not around the problem but through the middle of it only to set you down whoop, only to set you down victoriously and then wipe away your tears come on kiss you on the forehead and wrap you up with his loving arms draw you right up to him so he can say my child my child Say it with me. I love you. Come on, say it for the Methodists in the room. I love you. Woo! Happy stinking Thanksgiving. God bless y'all.